Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Thank you for the few of you that are excited about Christmas. Um, you are wearing your ugly Christmas sweaters, and I just figured I would rock some ugly Christmas overalls today. So why not? We like to have fun around here, um, but I hope you can get past that as we dive into the message today. <laughs> in, the, in the second service, I had someone with blinking lights in their beard. It was fabulous. It was so good. But listen, we like to celebrate Christmas around here, and I'm so excited to get to kick off our Christmas season with you this morning. You know, we're going to be exploring the Christmas story, and we're pulling this from the account in the book of Luke. In the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke is the good news. Gospel just means good news. And let me just tell you, the good news is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And I love the book of Luke because it's this this personal gospel, it's written to a man named Theophilus. And Theophilus means friend of God or beloved of God. So the really cool thing about that is the book of Luke is personal. And it could be written to you and to me as a friend of God, as the beloved of God. And as Luke writes to Theophilus, his desire is for him to know with certainty about the things that he has been taught. This man is somebody that studied and, and is familiar with God, familiar with Jesus, but Luke's desire is that Theophilus would know, really know, not just in his mind, but in his heart, the person of Jesus and the very nature of God. And, and that's my prayer for us this morning, is that we would know, really, really know, not just in our heads, but in our hearts, the person of Jesus the nature of God and how it applies to your life and to mine. So we're going to dive in this morning, but before we do, can I take a moment and pray? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, I just come before you right now, God, and I thank you for every person in the room today. God, I know it's not by accident that anyone is here. God, I, I thank you that you have something for us. So God, I pray that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word today. And God, I just pray that we would know, not just in our heads, but in our hearts, exactly who you are and exactly what you're saying to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, you know, I thought I'd start out today's uh, message with a too-good-to-be-true kind of story. You know, Pastor Carrie and I, if, if you've been around us for any amount of time, you might know that we've been married now for 18 years, and I know, a long time, really good, right? And uh, we got married really young. When we were 20 and 21, we dated for four and a half years before that. So we were like babies when we got together. But here's the thing, as we got towards the end of our dating, season, I decided that there was a time frame in which we should be married. And it needed to happen right when I graduated from college in the month of May. And so because I had decided this, that also meant there would be a window for our engagement because I needed a certain amount of time to plan a wedding. So I decided to tell Pastor Carrie exactly what that window of time was and when he needed to propose to me in order for us to get married according to my plan. And if you know my husband, you know he loved that. So 
We got into that window of engagement time and nothing had happened. Nothing. And one day we got in the biggest fight in the car. We were just going at it. And I was so angry because he was not cooperating with my plan. And he pulled the car over to the side of the road, put it into park, got out of his door, slammed the door, came around to my side of the door, opened it up and got down on one knee. And he said, I did not want it to be this way. What would you like for dinner? kidding me. I was so angry in that moment right there. And then it just continued. In the window of engagement, we happened to go to the very beach where Pastor Kerry had told me that he loved me for the very first time. And romantically, that would be the perfect setting for our engagement to take place. So as we walked to the beach and the sun was setting and the, the water was just crystal blue and, and we're walking in this perfect moment in time and Pastor Kerry got down and knelt on one knee and he looked at me and took my hands and my heart began to flutter because this was perfect. He said, Megan, I love you. And that was it. That was it in that moment. And I was just over it. I was so angry that he was not cooperating with the plan. And some of the women are shaking their head. They're judging you hardcore right now. And, and I was over it. So one day, past the window of engagement, I was working and I was substitute teaching and I got this delivery of roses to the school I was working at. Looks like a dozen roses and I read the card and it said, there's only 11 roses here. For the 12th rose, come and meet me at this specific location. And I thought, could it be? So I jumped in the car and I raced to this location where Pastor Kerry was standing on a stage much like this, an amphitheater. Roses were all over the ground and I walked slowly and skeptically down towards him. And I stood and I looked at him and he got down on one knee and he said, Megan, will you do me the honor of marrying me? Yeah. And I go, is this for real? That was my response to our perfect engagement moment. Is this for real? Now, obviously, I did say yes, because we are happily married to this day. But in that moment in time, it was kind of a too good to be true kind of moment. I'd been disappointed so many times before. It was almost just too good to be true. And you know, the very first story in the Gospel of Luke is a story about a couple who receives this kind of too good to be true news. So we're going to be unpacking the Christmas story. And the Christmas story, as you and I know it, starts with the Virgin Mary and, and Joseph and a journey to Bethlehem where there's no room in the inn. Maybe you're familiar with it. But the very beginning of Luke, chapter 1, starts with an introduction to a promise, a baby that would be known as John the Baptist, a promise that was being fulfilled to a man named Zechariah. And what you need to know is that this is the nature of who God is. He simultaneously cares about you and what you desire, and at the same time cares about the entire world. It's the nature of who God is. He is our personal promise maker and keeper, as well as a promise for salvation for the entire world. So let me just take a moment to introduce you to Zechariah and to Elizabeth. We're going to pick up in the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 5, and it says this. In the days of Herod of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah, 
And he was of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughter of Aaron. This is just setting the stage of who they were. Her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statues of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. So see, we meet this couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And the one thing I want you to note about them is the Bible says they were both righteous, which means they were in right standing with God. Now, they weren't sinless because none of us are, but they were doing everything that they could do to live the, to the best of their ability to honor God with their life. And then that next piece of information that we get about them is that Elizabeth was barren. Elizabeth couldn't have children. And the reason this is important to recognize is because at that time, people believed that children were a gift from God. You see, the Jews did not believe in eternal life. They believed that immortality came through children and heirs. So someone who could not have children was often assumed to have sin in their life. So here we have this couple, and they're living their lives for God. They're doing everything that they can to live their lives for God, but they're suffering tremendous disappointment and humiliation. You know, the Hebrew meaning for the name Zechariah is the Lord remembers. And the Hebrew meaning for Elizabeth's name is God is an absolutely faithful one. So how interesting is it that we find this couple in the scripture that are righteous before God, that are doing everything that they can to live for him. Their very names talk about his faithfulness, but their life and their situation would daily make them question God's faithfulness. The scripture continues and it says, while Zechariah was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Now, the reason I stop here in this part of the scripture is because I want you to understand what's happening. So the priests were assigned certain times that they would work at the temple. So Zechariah shows up with this group of priests because it's their time to serve. And they show up and then they draw lots to see who is going to go into the temple. It's like drawing straws to figure out who's going to go in to burn the incense, which represents the prayers of the people going up before God. Now, the reason we're stopping here is because this should help you realize that nothing in your life happens by chance. Nothing in your life happens by chance. They drew lots for Zechariah to be the one chosen to go in, but what comes next is divinely orchestrated by God. Every moment of your life is being divinely orchestrated by God. You need to know that that may be the very reason you walked in the room this morning. Continues on in the scripture in verse 11, and it says this, and there appeared to him, to Zechariah, an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. So here Zechariah is, he goes into the temple and there is an angel of the Lord that appears. What we know of Zechariah is he's a man of God. He shouldn't be afraid. But his first reaction is fear. In this encounter with this angel of God, his first response is fear. He's not amazed, like, wow, an angel of God. He's not honored 
Like, oh my goodness, I've been chosen. No, in this moment, he is afraid. And I know that the Bible doesn't tell us why, but I think sometimes it allows us to speculate why he might have been afraid. And I just wonder if Zechariah had had so many disappointments in his life so many things that he'd prayed for and so many times where people had, had told him that the reason he wasn't getting the answer to his prayer was because of sin. I just wonder if in that moment he thought, well, this is it. The hammer's going to drop now. Like in the presence of God, I, I just, I don't, there must be something wrong. I wonder if you've ever felt that way. I wonder if it's ever been a challenge for you to walk through the doors of church because you just feel like you've faced so much disappointment or maybe that you have been a disappointment, that you're going to let God down and you're just waiting for the hammer to drop. I just, I just wonder if that could have been something he was feeling. You know, it had also been over 400 years since God had spoken to his people in this kind of a way. And I, I kind of love this because it reminds us that God loves to do new things, he loves, he specializes in new things. If you've been in church for any amount of time, then I just want to remind you that if you're waiting for something that happened to you a long time ago, oh, when God did that, or when he, when he acted like that, if you're waiting for that to happen again, you might be surprised that God wants to do something new in your life. So if God showed up in a tangible way for you, I wonder what your reaction would be. It'd be easy, like Zachariah, to be so conditioned to disappointment that we just expect the hammer to drop in the presence of God. See, I think it's easy for us to go through life loving God, maybe even serving God, but with low expectation for a miracle-working God to show up in our life. The scripture continues on, and it says this, but the angel said to him, to Zechariah, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before them in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Listen, here is this promise. The angel of God is showing up for Zechariah and saying, listen, your prayers have been answered. Your prayers have been answered. But even in this moment with the angel of God, Zachariah still struggles to believe. I wonder if he'd been praying without conviction. I, I wonder if maybe he didn't really believe that God would answer his fervent prayers. And have, have you ever been there? Have you ever prayed for something for so long and not seen what you were looking for? So you've just lowered your expectation for God to actually do it. You know, the really cool thing about this promise that the angel gives to Zechariah in this moment is he tells him, this is a promise for you. 
You are going to have joy and you're going to have gladness at the birth of this child that you've prayed for and you've believed for. He's saying this promise, it's for you. But it goes beyond that because right there in the scripture, I like to think it's a great big all caps and. It goes beyond that. It says, and many will rejoice at his birth. You need to know there's always a bigger picture to our answered prayers. There's always something bigger that God is working behind the scenes of our life, orchestrating the details in such a way that our answered prayers will also help to answer the prayers of others, to maybe inspire hope or inspire faith to precede the miraculous in their life as well. Listen, this child that God is going to give to Zachariah and Elizabeth is going to prepare the way for the Lord. It's going to set the atmosphere for the long-awaited, the promised Messiah. I love that. I, I just want to pause right there for a minute and help you to know that the very thing that you're praying for, that you're hoping for, that you're believing for, listen, God is working on your behalf, but he will always use the details of that in a bigger way than you could ever possibly imagine. And in this situation, the promised child to Zechariah and Elizabeth will eventually be John the Baptist who will prepare the way for the Lord. We pick up again in verse 18, and Zechariah says to the angel, How shall I know this? You see, the skepticism is coming out. The doubt is coming out in that moment. How shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. So behold, You will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. I love that part. See, Zachariah's reaction to the angel was disbelief. For him, this was a too good to be true kind of moment. It was too good to be true. Could it possibly be real? And the angel Gabriel goes, I'm Gabriel. I'm a flipping angel. I stand in the presence of God. He sent me to you. How dare you question what I'm saying? How dare you question that? And I just wonder, if an angel showed up today and told you that your prayer had been answered, what would that mean to you? What is the too good to be true news in your life? What do you pray about, but you struggle to actually believe? And maybe you're here and and you just feel like you're too old to, to actually start something new or exciting. And I would just remind you that people in their 90s have written plays and governed nations. Maybe you're lonely and you're single and you feel like you're past the right age to marry. Maybe like Elizabeth, you've been believing for a child or, or believing for a dream, but felt the sting of disappointment. And now you've allowed reason and logic to talk you out of your belief. You know, here we have Zachariah. And he could not believe that God had an answer for him. He couldn't believe this too good to be true news. And we've all been guilty of this at one time or another. We've all grown tired in the waiting seasons of life and been willing to take things into our own hands. You know, maybe you've grown tired of the loneliness in your marriage. 
and entered into an affair. Maybe in desperation, you've taken the wrong job while waiting for the right one to show up. Maybe you've quit something too soon because in your own limited understanding, it it just couldn't work out. And we do pay a price for our unbelief, just like Zachariah did. But God, in his goodness, listen, I, I just want us to capture this moment here. Zechariah struggled with belief. The angel of God said, you're going to be silent then and not able to speak because of your unbelief until the thing I've promised you is fulfilled. I love this moment here because there are consequences for our unbelief. There's consequences for getting out ahead of God. But at the same time, God always uses that to work for our good. I'm grateful that Zachariah's unbelief didn't revoke the promise of God. I'm so grateful that even in his moment of doubt and even in his moment of skepticism, that it didn't revoke the promise of God. God didn't say, well, you don't trust me, so forget it. No, he said, I'm going to teach you a lesson on trusting me and you will see the promise fulfilled. I love that about God. It's the very nature of who he is. You will see the promise fulfilled. So Zechariah comes out of the temple and the people have been waiting for him and he is off schedule. He's been in there way longer than he should. And he's supposed to come out and pray a prayer of blessing, but he comes out giving all these hand motions because he's mute and he can't speak. They can tell that something has happened to him because he's mute. And I want to remind us that a divine encounter with the presence of God will always be evident in some way or another in your life. The people around you should be able to see it. They should be aware that there's been a moment where you've encountered the presence of God. So here's Zechariah, and he's mute. He can't speak, and he has to go home like this to Elizabeth. He couldn't process out loud with anybody. He couldn't explain all of his feelings. He couldn't ask anybody for advice. He was left in silence to contemplate the promise from God. I just want to remind you, church, that sometimes silent seasons are really good seasons. Sometimes we just need to be still and ponder the promises of God. You know, maybe there's been a time in your life where God's spoken to you. Maybe through a message like this, where the person who's speaking is is teaching and you feel like they're preaching straight at you. Like they just, they somehow heard all of your business and they're talking straight to you. And and that's just how the presence of God works, is in moments, he just leans right in and makes it personal, a personal promise. Maybe it's something in his word that you've been standing on, believing for his faithfulness, believing for healing, believing for the promises of God that are in his word. Maybe it's a a moment that you've had with God in your own personal quiet time. I don't know what it is, but we all respond differently to the promises of God. And, you know, some of us feel the need to, to talk about it with everyone. And I just wonder if sometimes we overshare instead of silently waiting because we struggle with doubt. Sometimes I think it's easier to search for validation and support from other people rather than, rather than quietly wait. 
I think sometimes we don't have enough faith for ourselves, so we become dependent on others' faith to support our lack of faith. And we get our eyes off the promise maker and we look for answers in people that we can see and touch. And we drift from our dependence on God because we're looking for validation or support from people. But yet the promise of God was for us. And sometimes I think we just talk too much. Sometimes we muddy the water of God's word with our own words. So here's Zechariah, and it's almost as if God said, nope, enough with your fear, enough with your doubt, stand still, be silent, and you will see the salvation of the Lord. You know, it's out of the seemingly silent seasons of our life that we become more acutely aware of God and what he's saying to us. And that's all Zachariah could do in that moment was to silently ponder the promises of God. This too good to be true thing that God said he would do. And we pick up in verse 24 and it says, after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and for five months she kept herself hidden saying, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach from amongst the people. Listen, she, she received the promise as well. And and I wonder if for a moment it felt too good to be true for her and she hid herself away for five months just to make sure this really is going to happen. And the thing you need to know about God is he wants to restore to you that which robs you of dignity. He wants to give us the desires of our heart. He, he wants to give us that too good to be true moment. That's the very nature of God, it's who he is. And we skip ahead in the scripture into verse 58. And it says, now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son. And her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her. And they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circum circumcise the child, which was customary. And they would have called his name Zachariah after his father, but his, his mother said, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to the father inquiring what he wanted them to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loose. And he began to speak, blessing God. The scripture tells us that in that moment of faith for Zechariah, he'd been sitting in silence waiting on the promise. And in that moment of faith, he said his name is John and his mouth was opened and he began to speak. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and he began to prophesy concerning his son, his promise and the promise of the Messiah that the entire world had been waiting for. And I love this part of the scripture because it just reminds us that out of silence came praise. Out of silence, praise. And I just wonder today how many of you feel as though we're in a silent season. Moments where it's hard to see what God's doing or moments where we question. The, is the promise that God gave to me actually ever going to be fulfilled? Those moments of silent seasons where we wrestle with doubt and disbelief. And I just wonder how many of you might identify with that. And my challenge today would be out of the silence, could we praise? Could we praise God for his promise, even though we haven't seen it yet? Could we praise before the breakthrough? 
Like that song we sang a little bit earlier today where it talks about, yes, I will, even in the valley, yes, I will, praise his name. No matter what I walk through, no matter how dark it may seem, no matter how overwhelming or quiet or distant God may feel, out of the silent seasons, God is doing something. And I just wonder if we could begin to praise. If you find yourself in a silent season, I, I wanna encourage you to be still. You will see the salvation of the Lord. You will see the fulfillment of all that He has promised. He is a promise maker and a promise keeper. And I love that this story of Elizabeth and Zachariah, man, they could not have imagined in their wildest dreams that in their old age that they would get pregnant and give birth to a son. But they couldn't have conceived that this child that God would give to them would actually go to prepare the way for the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah. They couldn't have come up with that. See, God's plans are always better than ours. The answer from God wasn't what they asked for. It was above and beyond what they asked for. And I want to challenge you not to try to fit God in a box, not to try to make God act according to your plan, like I was trying to make Pastor Kerry act according to my plan for engagement. Don't try to fit God in a box. Don't allow fear or disbelief to make you waver concerning the promises of God. Listen, if you're praying for the right job, wait for it. Destiny has a geography. If you're praying for the right spouse, wait for them. Don't settle for less. Believe that God can. If you're uncertain about this painful or the, the hard season that you're walking through right now, could you trust God that he'll bring you through to the other side? Maybe there's some of you in the room today that you just need to create some space for silence. Maybe there's some of you who need to stop talking to everybody around you, looking for validation and relying on someone else's faith to support your lack of faith. Listen, we don't like silent seasons. None of us do. But we have these stories in the Bible to remind us that God is faithful, that he's working in the middle of our waiting, always. He's a promise keeper. And I just want to remind you that no matter where you're at today, God's working on your behalf. He's faithful to his promises. And maybe you're here and the too good to be true kind of news for you is simply that God loves you. Maybe the too good to be true news for you is that God actually wants to be actively involved in your life. Maybe like Pastor Kerry shared earlier, or even like Zachariah and Elizabeth felt, the people around them assumed that the, the lack of answer to their prayers was because of sin in their life, and I wonder if they just dealt heavily with shame, questioning, am I even worthy? Is it my fault? Do I deserve this? And, and maybe some of you walked in the room today just questioning your own worth and your own value, and the too good to be true news for you today is, is that God loves you and wants to be a part of your life. Listen, nothing happens by chance. God divinely orchestrated this moment for you. It's the reason you're here. You know, God gave this good news to Zachariah, this too good to be true news and promised him a son. 
That son would be named John and would go on to become John the Baptist. And John the Baptist would go before Jesus to prepare the way for him, to tell everyone who he was, that he was coming, that he was the Savior. And I believe that God wants to use each of us, like John the Baptist, to prepare the way for others to find Jesus. In fact, in just a moment, Pastor Kerry's gonna come and talk to you about our Give Hope offering because we have the opportunity to prepare the way for others to encounter the hope that is found in Jesus. But I'd like to be like John the Baptist for some of you today and just bring the good news that there's a God in heaven who loves you exactly as you are. You don't have to get everything right or all together before you make a decision to follow him. Man, today is your day. I believe it's why you're here. And the greatest thing I can share with you is a scripture from the Old Testament that prophesied the coming of Jesus. And Isaiah 9, 6, it says this, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Hey, that means he's in control. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Oh, and I don't know what to do. He'll give me the wisdom to know what to do and what steps to take. His name shall be called Mighty God. He's capable of moving mountains on my behalf, of doing that impossible thing, that too good to be true thing. He's Mighty God. He's Everlasting Father. For those of us who maybe didn't know or have a father that was present here on this earth, he's the kind of father that will never leave. He will never walk out. In fact, the scripture says that he never leaves us or forsakes us. And the Prince of Peace, peace that we can experience in our heart and in our mind, this is Jesus who is available for you and for me. He's all these things. And it sounds too good to be true because it is. But this promise of salvation is for you and for me. And I just wanna tell you, if you've never said yes to following Jesus, or maybe you did a long time ago, but if you were honest, you've been running from God and trying to live your own way. I believe God divinely orchestrated this moment and you're here today. And I'd like to pray a prayer with you and give you the opportunity to make that decision. So if that's you, I'm just gonna invite you to pray with me. In the quietness of your own heart, you're not gonna get out of your seat. You don't have to pray out loud. But I'm just gonna ask everyone in this room to bow your head and close your eyes. And if you're here today and you need to make a decision to follow Jesus for the first time or the first time in a long time, would you just quietly in your own heart repeat these words after me? Say, dear God, I know that you love me. I believe that you chose me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me even when I've tried to do it all on my own. And today I'm making a decision to follow you. And all around this room, if that is you and it's the decision you're making, make these words your own. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.